Romans chapter 13 will be in verse 8. Romans 13 and verse 8. And it's, uh, God put this message on my heart, and I asked God, I said, God, are you sure you want me to preach this? Uh, Brother Jacob, the title is, Put Ye On the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll see that in verse uh, 14 of this chapter. Um, but when God put this on my heart, I said, God, this is, this is not, you know, a normal sermon, I guess, for Sunday morning. This is more of like a teaching kind of time with some preaching in there. I was like, this is not what I had in mind, but God said, I want you to preach about how we can put on the Lord Jesus Christ and why we're supposed to. You know, the Bible, it tells us to do things, but it also tells us how to do it, and it tells us why we should do it. And that's why I love God's Word, is it's instructional. It tells us how we should live our lives. And I have props this morning, which I'm very excited about. I, I love getting to preach with props. Now, I don't do that with adults very often. I do it with kids a lot. Um, but that's why there's a big mirror, which I don't know where Jacob grabbed this mirror from, because I looked all around this building this morning, couldn't find it, and Jacob comes out with this overly sized mirror, and I have a jacket. But we'll bring those up in a moment. But let's go to Romans 13 and verse 8. And God's word says, Owe no man anything. But to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, if it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We heard Jesus say this in the Gospels. Work or love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And, and, and that, so and that, knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believed. This verse, it's not talking to the unsafe people to wake up, it's talking to the Christians. Listen, listen what that verse says. We'll get to it here in a minute, but it says, Awake out of sleep, for now our salvation, which our salvation is who? The Lord Jesus Christ, is nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly... As in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering or wantingness, not in strife and envy. And then here is the text. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill, listen, the lust thereof. Let's pray together this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before thy throne, Father, we thank you, Lord, for who you are. What an amazing and wonderful God you are to us, Lord. Thank you for bringing us to the church house this morning to worship thee and to hear thy word preached. God, I pray today that you would open up our hearts and our minds to the understanding of what you have put in your word for us this morning, God. Give me liberty. Hide me behind the cross this morning, God, that you would be honored and glorified and lifted up this morning through the preaching of thy word. Lord, we thank you and we love you. 
In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So this is a very important thing for a Christian, is that we put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Brother Gary, can we go to Acts 11.26? I'm going to be jumping around a little bit this morning. I'm sorry, but Acts 11 and verse 26. Now look, we're going to, let's talk about how we actually got called Christians, okay? It says, and when he had found him, he brought him into Enoch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And disciples, I messed up that city, didn't I? And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. I'm sorry, I messed up on that word, Antioch. So look, this is what happened when we got named Christians. And Brother Jeff Snyder, if I'm wrong, stand up and correct me on it in the middle of my preaching. And I'm not, look, you know, Brother Jeff, he was telling me about some stories. He's like, you just think I'm a troublemaker. And I was like, Jeff, if I had to describe you with one word, troublemaker would be the furthest from what would come out of my mouth. But if I'm wrong about this, please tell me. The name Christian was not taken on by other Christians. It was giving to them actually as like a mockery, as making fun of people saying, you know what, they act so much like this Jesus Christ that they should be called little Christ. Am I right, Brother Jeff, so far? You haven't? Okay. And here's the thing is, it wasn't them, it wasn't like, oh yeah, we act so much like Jesus, we're going to call ourselves Christians. But it was other people who was actually making fun of them, said these people act so much like little Christ, that we should call them little Christ, meaning the word Christian. And at the end of the word Christian, which is I-A-N, means the party of. So if we identify ourselves as Christians, we're calling ourselves little Christ, that we are in the same party as Jesus. Now this is the most important thing I think a Christian can do is put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Act so much like Jesus does that when other people see you in public, they might make fun of you, but they know whose party you're with. When you go to a restaurant, if me and uh, Pastor Travis and his family and me and Mackenzie went out to eat and he got there first, it would be party of Curlock, right? They know I was in the party of Travis Curlock. Because I'm with him. I'm there with him. I'm dining with him. Why don't we spend so much time dining with Jesus that we seem like we're in the same party as Jesus? Isn't that, I think it's the most important, especially right now with everything that's going, I don't, look, I don't preach topical sermons about what's going on. And that's why I was kind of like, God, I don't know if I want to preach this because it can be applied to what's going on in our world today. I don't, I just like to stick to God's word. That's all I like to do. I don't like to say, well, let's pull up a sermon because of what's going on with current events. I just, God's word knows everything, so I'm just going to stick with it. But with everything going on right now, it'd be great if somebody would say, that person acts so much like Jesus, he accepts and can be called the name Christian, even if they're making fun of you or if they're being serious, that we can be in the party of the Lord Jesus Christ. God challenged me with this sermon. Look, when I was studying this sermon, I was like, God, yeah, like you're, you're hurting my feelings a little bit here. <laughs> I'll be real with you. Like You're really stepping on my toes. I, and he was showing me things that you need to work on this because Jesus didn't act like this. Or you need to work on this because Jesus didn't do this. Jesus got angry with people but didn't sin, so why, can't you not, why can you get angry with people but you sin? That's not being Christ-like. It's all about looking like Jesus. 
If we stick to Jesus, look, people are going to, you know, the Bible says that they hated him without a cause, so they're going to hate you too. I, don't, I like to be liked by everybody. I really do. I liked to be liked by everybody else. But when it comes down to the fact that if they hate me because of Jesus, I accept that and say, there's nothing I can do. Now, if it's something I've done to them, I can fix that. But there's no fix in Jesus. Jesus is who he is. You know, God is a God of love. But he's also a just God. And God, we have to accept God for who he is. We can't change him. Either we accept God for who he is, or we spend eternity separated from him. Those are our options. And God doesn't change with the times. He doesn't change because... Well, it's not convenient to us, or, oh, I don't like what he said there. God is always the same. But the most important thing we as Christians can do is not push our own agendas, puff our own knowledge up, let ourselves be shown, but lift up and honor Jesus Christ. Or a word that Jacob and I come up with because I messed up, honorify Jesus Christ. Mixed honor and glorify that was on our daily bread thing, and Jacob's not letting me live it down. But that's what we should do, is not push ourselves up. Not that the world can see Eli Cook, but the world can see Jesus Christ. That I can hide behind him and let him be lifted up, and let my life and let my ministry and let what comes out of my mouth lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the most important thing that Christians can do is lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, this mirror I have here, Jacob, I don't even know how heavy this thing is. It ain't light. If we bring this mirror out, oh, when you look in it, what do you see? You see a reflection. You see yourself, right? This morning, I, so... My, my white shirt and my gray suit, I got dry cleaned last week. And there's just something about putting on a new dry clean shirt and suit. Like, I felt pretty executive, is what I'm going to say. I felt like I was the president for five seconds when I put it on. Because I like, like, I mean, it was just, like, there was, like, stains on this shirt that are gone. Like, I don't know what magic they work down here at this dry cleaner, but they're gone. So I, when I put it on, I was like, Psh, I look fresh. You know? So from there, like, I look good. But when I look in this mirror, I see myself. Now, what do people see when they look at me? Do they see what I see in this mirror? Or do they see the Lord Jesus Christ? When I look in this mirror, I hope that I see the Lord Jesus Christ and not myself. Physically, I'll see myself. But when people look at me, when they're looking at me like this mirror is looking at me, I pray that they don't see Elijah Cook, but they see the Savior, the Messiah, the Lamb of God who was slain for our sins, the one that gives us his righteousness so we can be right with God, Jesus Christ. That's what I pray when people look at my life. You know, there's a very interesting quote that I read from a man who's very popular um, by Gandhi. Everybody knows who Gandhi is. And this is what he said. He said, I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Yeah. 
I like your Christ, but I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike Christ. Now look, either they're going to hate you because you look so much like Jesus Christ, or there's another option. We look so much like the world but claim the name of Christ that we're being hypocrites. God has so convicted me this past week studying this to get things right with Him that I didn't know was wrong in the first place. Like when I come to preach this sermon, it was hard for me just to study it because I was like, God, what am I? I don't look like Christ at all. Found myself being repentive a lot, repenting of things that God was bringing to make me more like Jesus Christ. But that, that, that quote just stuck out to me. I was like, he said he likes our Christ, but not our Christians. We must act like Jesus and not ourselves. You want to know why? Can we go to Ephesians 2? Ephesians 2 is probably my, one of my favorite verses. If I could pick favorites in the whole Bible, I'd pick Ephesians 2. This is why we must act like Christ and not ourselves. Ephesians 2 and verse 1. It says, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past we walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Verse 3, Among whom we also had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Let's go ahead and read verse 4. Verse 4 just, but listen to verse 4. This is why I love it. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he, he loved us. The reason we should act like Christ is because that's who we used to be. Those verses 1 through 3, that's what we act like without Christ. That's what we act like without Christ. And if we're going to identify ourselves and be in the party of Jesus, and be called little Christ, we've got to act like Jesus Christ. Now, you can't do it by yourself. The only way you can do it is by living, Jacob's going to love this, by living a life dependent on the Holy Spirit. That's the only way we can live like Jesus, is to be dependent on the Holy Spirit. I can't do it. I tried to do it. I tried to work my way to heaven. It doesn't work that way. No amount of good that I could do could get me to heaven. But if I trust in and believe on Christ and depend on the Holy Spirit, you can live like Jesus. Like This isn't just something that we talk about. It can really be done. It can really be done. And we're going to talk about how. My, I only have two points for you this morning. Two. Uh, not even three, just two. And our first one is how we are supposed to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. How we are supposed to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Look in verse 8. It says, Owe no man anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. To put on Jesus Christ, you have to love other people. You have to love other people. Do you all believe Jesus loved other people? You all believe Jesus loved other people? Oh, yeah. He died. You know, Jesus died for people that he knew was going to reject him, call him awful names, mock him, say he's not even real, say he didn't even do it for them. 
People that won't even believe in him, he died for them. And he gets no return, no love returned. That's real love. Is when you do something and expect nothing in return. He did that for people knowing. Like not even like, oh, they might do something. Knowing that people are going to hate him. People are going to mock his name, make fun of people that follow him, bash his word, put blasphemous things on him on the internet and on TV shows and all kinds of stuff. And Jesus did that because he loved them. How deep the Father's love for us. That's a wonderful song. How deep the Father's love for us. But to put on Jesus Christ, we have to love others. And nowadays, the word love is so messed up and just not used the right way. Love is not a feeling. Love is not a feeling. It is a choice. So I've been married for a year, okay? I'm new into this. Still learning, let me say that. My wife says amen right there. Still learning how to be a good husband. And every day I get up and have to make the choice, am I going to love my wife more or am I going to love myself more today? And it's little things like, am I going to make her a cup of coffee in the morning before, because I get up before her? Or am I going to make breakfast this morning? Or am I going to, I hate doing dishes. I think I've said that before up here, but I absolutely like loathe. I'm going to use that word, loathe doing dishes. And there's sometimes if I see a sink full of dishes, I'll say, I'll do them so she doesn't have to. And I know that's not anything in comparison, but Jesus said, I'm going to pay their sin debt so they don't have to. It's just little things like that that I'm having to learn, that I'm, go- I'm having to choose every day how to love my wife. It's not a feeling, it's really a choice. When we go out and talk to people about Jesus, if we're not sharing Jesus, we don't love people. But I have to go out and make a choice, say, you know, I might get mocked. I could get physically hurt. I could get a lot of things said about me, but... I'm going to choose to love those people that are willing to hurt me, maybe even kill me. Look, I know that's crazy to think, but there's people dying around the world because they shared somebody with Christ. I'm just saying. And I'm going to say, I love them so much, I'm going to go out and tell them about Jesus. We have to love others. Like it's It's not optional. It's a command that we must love others. Let's press on. On a personal level... The only debt, so it says, owe no man anything but to love one another. So on a personal level, the only debt that we are to carry is the debt, the only debt we're supposed to carry to another man is the debt of we have to love them. We have to love them. It is an obligation both before God and before all men that we are supposed to love all men. Now how hard is that to love all men? Anybody ever done you wrong? Talk bad about you, make fun of you, mocked you. How hard is it to love that person? We really see how deep Jesus' love for us when we get down to the nitty-gritty details saying, if somebody looks at me the wrong way or if somebody makes fun of me, I can't stand them. But when they mock Jesus Christ and they say he wasn't real and they give him no love back at the the greatest love he could show anybody, we see how deep our Father's love is for us. But we are to love one another, and we're going to have to answer for that before God. It's a command to His children that we are to love one another. 
Now, like I said, the word love has been messed up now. To love somebody is not to call them out on their faults. That's what people say now. That's not right. I saw, a, uh, uh, I was on Twitter, I saw a tweet that said, I would rather have four brutally honest friends than a hundred yes men. I would rather have four brutally honest friends that are going to tell me, hey, you messed up. When Jake and I were practicing that song, do you think he hesitated to tell me if I messed up or something? Absolutely not. He told me, hey, buddy, you got to do this. Okay. He was brutally honest with me, even though it didn't hurt my feelings because Jacob wasn't doing it to hurt me, but he was doing it to help me. There's a difference in trying to tell someone about Jesus and trying to hurt them instead of trying, you should help them, right? See, Paul wrote Romans. He echoes Jesus' command here in Matthew 22. Can we go to Matthew 22 real quick, Brother Gary? Matthew 22, verse 36. Matthew 22 and verse 36. It says, Master, so the, the Pharisees are um, trying to trip Jesus up, saying, oh, well, well what are you going to say about this? We ask. It says, Master, which is the greatest command in the law? He says, and Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. That's loving God. This is the first and great commandment. Verse 39, and the second is, unlike, is unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And verse 40 says, on these two commandments hang all the law of the prophets. Now if we were to bring up the ten commandments, we would see that the first few, I think the first five, are God word, and the last five are man word. As we just read here, not to kill, not to steal, not to commit adultery, not to lie, not to covet are towards man, but the first ones are towards God. And we see that these two commandments, love God and love others, hangs all the other commandments. So Paul is reiterating here what Jesus said in Matthew 22. He's saying in Romans 13, Jesus commanded that we love one another, therefore we must love one another. It's a command from Jesus. It's not an optional thing, but it is a command from our Lord Himself. Love one another means to love people you actually meet and deal with every day. How many of you work and it's hard to love someone at your work? When I was in Bible college, I worked for a place called Weed Man Lawn Care. And it was sometimes hard for me to love the people that I had to work with in that office. It was hard. Like I'd have to pray and say, God, give me the love for them because I can't do this. It was just the things they did, I guess, just annoyed me or something. But I had to pray and ask God, like, God, I'm having to depend on the Holy Spirit to give me the love that I need to have for them. But love one another means that you must love the people that you meet and deal with every day. Look, it's easy for us to love. It's easy for us to love theoretically, abstractly. Like, it's easy for us to love that, but God demands that we love real people. It's easy for me to sit here and say that I love someone that's not in my everyday life. But can I show someone in my everyday life that I love them, that I'm willing to lay down my wants and needs for their wants and needs? That's what real love is, is laying down our wants and our needs 
to give someone else their wants and their needs. Share a quick story with you. It actually happened yesterday to me. And I'm going to brag on you a little bit, Pastor Travis, if that's okay. I'm going to brag on him. So yesterday, uh, Mackenzie was off doing some sale with her jewelry. And I needed to go take care of Mike and Kristen Hill's dogs. And I had to go take care of Pastor's dogs and chickens. So I needed a vehicle. Well, she had our newer car. And the red car, has, we haven't drove it in months. Well, the battery was dead. And you know what? The, the warranty expired three months ago. If I'd have taken it three months ago, I'd have got a new free battery, and I did not take it up on that, which I'm sad about, which I'll make sure I remember for next time. But I called Pastor Travis, and I said, hey, are you coming by the church today? He said, well, I don't, I don't know. Do you need me? I was like, no, nah, I ain't going to make you drive out here. He said, well, what do you need? I said, well, I need someone to jump this red car so I can drive to advanced auto, buy a new battery, and go take care of these dogs and uh, chickens. He said, all right, buddy, I'll be there. This is what he did. Just a practical example is that he laid down what he was doing, his wants, and his needs. It would have been easier for him to stay home, not come out, bring Isaac and Uno with him. It would been easier for him just to stay home and say, I, you know, I can't. All right, buddy, ha good luck. But what he did is he laid down his wants and his needs Drove 15, 20 minutes from Big Chimney out here to jump my car and it turned around and went home. Is what I'm guessing you did. It's a practical way to love someone. Just to let, he laid down his wants and needs for my wants and needs. And that shows me, man, he loves me. As a brother in Christ, he loves me. That's how, it's just that simple that we can show people that we love. Your neighbor that needs the love of Christ, bake them some cookies and say, I did this in Jesus' name. Bake them a pie. Bake me a pie in Jesus' name. I love pie. Like, let's be real. Y'all bring me a pie in Jesus' name, I love it. But that's how simple, just how practical it can be. Him coming and jumping my car, bringing his two boys with him, showed me it was an inconvenience to him to have to get up, which he was awake, not saying he was asleep, but he had to, get out of his house, get in his car, and drive 15, 20 minutes, spend gas, and drive back. That's a practical way to show someone you love them. Just do something nice for them, but do it in Jesus' name to honor and glorify our Lord and Savior. Look, every conversation in our life should always turn back some type of way to about Jesus and the gospel. So when I went, and what happened was, was when we went over, when I went over to get that new battery, the man that was working on my car was Philip, and I got to talk to Philip about Jesus, because he took my battery out, he we well, tested it, and then he took it out and put a new one in after I bought it, and I got to talk to Philip about Jesus. See how we're all intertwined somehow. If Pastor Travis would not have come and jumped my car, I would never got to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with Philip. We're all intertwined in this thing of sharing the gospel. But that's just a practical example of him laying down his wants to help me out. And it's that easy to do that for others. Really, people that are struggling, people that need Jesus, need to see that Jesus loves them. You know, I don't believe someone loves me until they show me that they love me. I don't believe it until they show me somehow that they love me. 
But we must love others. We must love others to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And it goes into, you know, these, and I'm not going to go to these verses for the sake of time because it's already 10 till. But, you know, he says, thou shalt not commit adultery. It's really, the origin of that is the lust of our eyes. You know, in, uh, is it 1 John, Jacob, where it talks about lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life? Jeff Snyder's giving me a head nod. So, that's where the three ways that we sin originate from. The lust of our flesh, the lust of our eyes, and the pride of life. And Jesus says in Matthew, for a man to look upon a woman, he committeth adultery in his own heart. Look, it says, thou shalt not kill. You know, in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 5, to hate someone is to commit murder in your own heart. So that deals with our sin. That's what we should, this is saying things, hey, don't do these things. Don't do these things. And you can show people the love of Christ. It says, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not lie. That you shouldn't lie about others or to others. You know, it says in Proverbs 6 that God hates, God hates a lying tongue. Hates a lying tongue. Thou shalt not covet. Our abundance doesn't come from our possessions, but our abundance comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know looking at this, it looks like, oh, we have to live by a bunch of rules to live like Jesus. That's not it at all. Jesus didn't live by a bunch of rules. You know what? It is not about living by a bunch of rules and white-knuckling, like grabbing a hold and white-knuckling our way through our Christian life, but it's about depending on the Holy Spirit so much that we look and act like Christ because we're depending on the Holy Spirit to have us live like Christ. It's not about us following guidelines and rules. It's about us living and depending on the Holy Spirit to make us look and act like Jesus Christ. I don't quote very many men in sermons, but I have two Spurgeon quotes in here that I think are phenomenal. It says, No man can pass the ends of life by drawing a little line around himself on the ground. We can't draw a little line around ourselves in life and say, I'm not going to speak or help or talk to anybody. I'm just going to stay in my bubble and not love other people. We can't do that. We can't do that because if we come to the end of our lives, we'll be very disappointed in how we lived our lives if we live like that. goes on to say that loving is fulfilling the law. It is easy for us to do all the right religious things. Things. It's easy for us to do the, come to church, read our Bibles, pray, you know, come three times a week, stand up and sing, come in the choir. It's easy for us to do the religious things, but to, ne- to neglect love is disobedience, which is sin. Our love is the true measure of our obedience to God. Our love is our true measure of obedience to God. So that's how we're supposed to be like Christ. My second point is why. Like anytime somebody told me to do something, I always wanted to know why. When we were at my cousin's house yesterday, his little boy is six, and anytime his dad told him to do something, you know what the one word that came out of his mouth was? Why? Did anybody else, little kids, do that? I did that, and I still do that. 
Like, why? Why do I need to do this? you got to give me the reason on why I need to do it, or I'm probably not going to do it. I'm not going to waste my time and energy on something if I don't know why I'm doing it. I don't know if everybody's like that if it's just me, but that cracked me up when them little kids were like that. Like, I ain't going to go do that, Dad, unless you tell me why. Now, sometimes that's out of disobedience, but then sometimes I'm like, maybe kids are just curious on why they got to do something. Because I was told my whole life, like, you have to do this. Now, why? Nobody ever explained to me why I had to do X, Y, and Z. But now we know why we're supposed to put on the Lord Jesus Christ in verse 11. Verse 11, there's a little, it says, In that, knowing the time. As Christians, we understand right now where we're at. If we read God's Word, we know that we are in the 11th hour and at possibly at the 59th minute. That there at any time, on the, the, the clock could move to 12, at 12 o'clock and the trumpet could sound and we could be out of here. As Christians, we know the time is near that Jesus is coming back. We know the time is near that we must share the gospel with as many people as we can. We know the time is near that people are going to face eternal damnation. The one thing that tears me up is when I see people that are so blinded by Satan that they don't even realize they need Jesus. We go downtown on Friday nights, there's so many people that pass us by, no, I'm good, I don't need Jesus. I'm like, yes, you do. You need Him. You can't stand before God without Him or you're going to die and spend eternity separated from Him. We know the time is near. That's why it says, and that, knowing the time. Paul was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit writing this, knowing that we are going to know the time. We're knowing it's near. Every time I talk to somebody, I'm like, man, it's almost time for that trumpet. Any, any, you know, any older Christian I talk to, I can always, they always say, man, it's coming soon. Like these wise, like... Uh, Mackenzie's grandpa, Terry, man, he's one of the wisest men, nicest, loving men I've ever met in my life. And he always tells me, he's like, I've never seen the world like this. It's gotten so bad. He said, it's coming soon. He's a great Christian man. Like, he's, he knows it's coming soon. All these wise, older people are telling me this, and I'm like, they're probably right. It's coming soon. And it goes on to say that now is high time to awake out of sleep. It is high time to awake out of sleep. Look, he's speaking to Christians here. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to wake up because it's nearing the time. It's time for us to wake up and go tell someone about Jesus. It's time for us to get up and go and stop being essentially asleep with God. Like our relationship is fixed, right? Like my, here's my thing is I'm, my relationship with God is sealed, signed, delivered until forever. Like I know I'm going to heaven. Christ died for my sin. So I'm set. Now I do have the option. Well, it's not really an option. I could be disobedient. Let me say that. I could sit down and not do anything with the gospel and with Christ saying, hey, my relationship with God, psh, done, good, I'm good. When it's time for me to go or get raptured out of here, I'm good. But that's not the command that Christ leaves us. It's time for us to wake up and stop being asleep in our relationship with God.
Here are some things that we can do when we're awake, okay? We can speak consciously when we're awake, telling others. We can hear consciously when we're awake. We can walk, which some people sleepwalk, which is weird, but they can't tell where they're going or they get messed up. We can sing. We can think. When we're truly awake in our relationship with God, we can do all these things towards Christ. But it's time for us to wake up as Christians. You know, I was telling Jacob, I find myself in the middle in a lot of current events because I'm not far to the right, I'm not far to the left, I stand on God's Word. And I usually have people from both sides mad at me. And I can say this, that a big reason why our world and country is in the way that it's in is because we've been asleep for too long, me included. Been asleep. Been asleep. I had to repent for being asleep. Been asleep too long. It's time to wake up. You know, um, you know, the biggest death that has ever affected me in my life is what woke me up. And that was my aunt. Um, she died at 54. That's young to die. She died of a massive heart attack. And her death, which was over a year ago now, has shook me to my core because I know where she's at right now. And it tears me up from the floor up knowing knowing that I was asleep, knowing that I was so asleep and so selfish, I didn't, I, I, I wish I, now that she's gone, I wish I'd have went every day and told her about Jesus. Did I tell her about Jesus? Yeah, but I feel like I should have told her a lot more. Could have explained a lot more. And now I know, it tears me up, that I was asleep. And her death has shaken me because I was asleep. Folks, it's not worth it. It's not worth living. Because I do, I'll be honest with you, I live with the guilt of where she's at. Just sharing a little bit of my heart with you. I'm living with the guilt. Why? Because I feel like I was asleep when I was around her. I feel like I was asleep and I wasn't doing what God told me to do. And now I have to think of every day when I get up that where she's at. It's not worth living with that kind of thing. I would rather just go share the gospel with the whole world, get beat up, get my head chopped off, than live with this guilt that I've got in my, my heart because I was asleep. It's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to wake up. The Bible goes on to say in verse 12 that the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Because we know the danger of the times that we are in, we're anticipating the soon return of Jesus. We should be more energetic, more committed, more compassionate to walk right with God instead of being asleep. We need to wake up, share the gospel. You know the gospel. You know, I, I read something on Facebook the other day, which you don't find a lot of good things on Facebook, but can you imagine the Christians that Paul or Saul, whatever you want to call him, when he killed those Christians, when they imagined him walking into heaven? Can you imagine when he walked into heaven what those Christians that he killed were thinking? That's how powerful the gospel is. That's what I think when I see the account of Paul's life when he used to kill Christians and then he became the very thing that he killed and got killed for it. 
That's how powerful the gospel is. The gospel is not just something that we flippantly talk about, but it really is that powerful to take a life of a murderer who was killing Christians and turn him to a Christian who got murdered for Christ. That's how powerful. I, I bang on about the gospel and I'll take that to the grave, but I'm telling you, that's how powerful it is. Our own pastor has such a powerful testimony of being a drug addict and having living for Satan and God changed his life and now he's a pastor. We see that firsthand every time Pastor John gets up and preaches the word of God because the power of the gospel changed his life. No man besides Jesus Christ changed our pastor's life. No man besides Jesus Christ changed the Apostle Paul's life. That's how powerful the gospel truly is. The night is far spent. Jesus is coming soon. It's time for us to get awakened, to get energetic, compassionate, and committed to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Goes on to say, Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. To cast off the works of darkness. The illustration here is taking off and putting on clothes. So I have two jackets back here. This is my second prop, which I'm very excited about. So I have my gray jacket, which goes very well with my gray pants. And then I have my Sherlock Holmes 1970s jacket with the, I love these. The, these are my favorite jackets. This doesn't go very well, right? Does this match at all, Mackenzie? Good. Look, this is what it means by casting off so what I have on right now is me, is Eli Cook. This jacket, this 1970s, I think this is, my stepdad gave me, I think this is from the 1970s. But to cast off me and to put on Jesus Christ. That's how it really works. I just threw my sin and my shame and my darkness off and put on the righteousness and the, cleans the cleansliness, the pureness of Jesus Christ. That is how it works. And look, I don't go pick that back up. I keep the righteousness of Jesus Christ on. I don't lose the salvation God's given me. That's gone. It's dead. But now I get to put on the righteousness of Christ. And I'm as righteous as Jesus is. And when God looks at me, He doesn't see Eli anymore, but he sees his son Jesus. One of the best illustrations I've ever seen. Pastor did that for the kids here, and it has stuck in my mind for, until now. But that is what it's meaning by casting off that darkness and putting on the armor of light. And if we go and we could talk about the armor of light, but we must let Christ cast off that sin. We must let Christ put on His righteousness onto us. Another quote I have from Spurgeon. Well, I mean, just great quotes. The rags of sin must come off if we are to put on the robe of Christ. There must be a taking away of the love of sin. There must be a renouncing of the practices and habits of sin. Or else man cannot be a Christian. It goes on to list uh, six 
works of darkness that we are to cast off. Rioting, drunkenness, chambering, wantingness, strife, and envy. We're to cast those works of darkness off and put on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We could go into um, all the armor that is listed in... uh, Let me check here. I have it wrote down. We won't go into it for the sake of time. Um, But Ephesians 6, 10 through 17 talks about the armor of God. The belt, the breastplate, the helmet, the shield, the sword. We are to put those things on the armor of God. The Bible goes on to say, let us walk honestly as in that day. We're going to finish up here in a moment. Let us walk honestly. We must live how the Bible instructs us to live. You know, Christ says, if you love me, if you love Christ, keep his commandments. Keep his commandments, the word of God. If you love Christ, keep his commandments. This is all related to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. When we put on Christ, we are to put on the armor of God and equip and both defend, not just defend, but to attack. You know how you attack the enemy? Go share the gospel with someone out on the street. Oh, you want to talk about the worst offensive strike you can do to the kingdom of Satan and to the enemy? Go share the gospel. Watch what happens. When me and Brother Jeff were sharing with a man down there beside a bar on Friday night, how many trucks went by so loud, Brother Jeff, that he had to, we had to repeat ourselves? Little things like that Satan would do. He got, what, three or four phone calls in the middle of that conversation. Satan's smart and he knows what he's doing. But if you really want to attack him, you really want to stand up for Christ and let Christ do the attacking, go live your life for Christ. Share the gospel with somebody. Let's press on. It says uh, in verse 14, But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. The flesh, be as active as you want it to be. Uh, My dean of men, Mr. Cole, he told me, he said, Look, whichever beast you feed, if you have two dogs, whichever dogs you feed, which one you, you feed more is going to be the strongest, right? Whichever one you feed more, the spirit of the flesh is going to be the strongest in your life. Whatever beast you feed is going to be the strongest. Do you feed the spirit more or do you feed the flesh more? Because our old man is dead when we're accepted in Christ. Our old man, he's dead. But the flesh is still there to tempt us. Look, when you're saved, you're not a sin to when you're saved, you're not a slave to sin anymore. That old man is dead. You are not under the power of sin anymore. That's how radical of a change the gospel makes. When the old man dies, he doesn't come back. There's no Lazarus effect. But the flesh is still there to tempt you, and you don't have to fall into that temptation. You can live for Christ. And look, living for Christ and depending on the Holy Spirit. That gives you the victory in that, not to fall into that temptation, because it's not like you're a slave to it anymore. It, sin is not your master anymore. Christ is your master. 
We don't have to fall in that temptation. We're not a sin to... Pastor Travis said in Sunday school, I can't remember what he said, but he said something along the lines of, look, when we're sinners, we're expected by nature to sin. But when we're Christians, we're expected now, we have a new nature. We're a new creation in Christ to act like Christ. Look, you can really live the Christian life as we're wrapping up. You can really live the Christian life if you depend on the Holy Spirit. But that is how we, the first part is how we put on Jesus Christ with loving others and the commandments that it gives to love others. But then also, the reason that we should live for Jesus Christ. It's because the time is coming near. The time is coming near when the door shuts and it's shut for all eternity. There's coming a time when that door will not be opened anymore. It's time for us to love others. Love them with the truth. There's a casting crown song, casting crown song that says, I'm going to love you with the truth. And that's what we need to do today as Christians is love others with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ.